listening to Let There Be Light, a podcast where we shed light on difficult topics in the church today through history, science, theology, and our mutual love for Jesus. Hello, welcome to this episode. <laughs> today <laughs> Sorry. is a spicy topic. Not that the rest have not been spicy. But you know what to expect. Well, dear audience, hold on to your hats, take a seat, grab some tea. Now's the time. Now the time has come. The time has come. Oh, Marleni, what are we talking about today? Oof. Okay. Before we officially, officially begin, I want to make clear <laughs> the well- the the customary disclaimer. <laughs> the customary disclaimer. <laughs> Just in case. Um, that while I've been researching today's topic for months now. I'm nowhere near the amount of knowledge that many authors and theologians have been able to glean over the last 2,000 years. Okay. If yeah, we're not going to be covering 2,000 years here. <laughs> so please keep that in mind. Yeah, like, Marlena, you forgot this. It's like, I'm sorry, Teresa. But what I can and will do, Ooh. okay, is share the most important aspects, in my opinion, of what I've learned and then point out and then point you in the direction of people much smarter than me on this topic. That's good because I mean that's been the goal of our podcast is we mm-hmm. equip you to go do your own, do your own thing, do your own research. Yeah, heck yeah, heck yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> Please introduce us All to right. where we're going. We are exploring a topic that many Christians today may be totally unaware of: the existence of a female apostle. We're talking about it because the story of Junia is one that I believe is fascinating and that we should all be aware of. It is the story of a woman believed to be a part of the early church, who in fact may have listened at the feet of Jesus himself and was nearly wiped from history. Junia was revered as a symbol of faith for centuries, and in one stroke of a brush, her identity and standing amongst her brothers in faith was forever tainted and her status questioned. Her name and gender were misassigned and called right by men of great power within the church. Classic. And what's more, this history is rarely taught, and your average member of the church today will most likely not know her name. And I want to change that. So, uh, Sarah, will you please read Romans 16.7? Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. And this is an ESV translation, and it has a little side note that says, or Junius. Ooh, and that right there is... The crux of the matter. The crux of the matter, which we're going to get into it. In this verse, let's just break it down a little bit. So what we know about Andronicus, or Andronica, and Junia, is that they were living in Rome at the time that Paul wrote his letter. So they aren't believed to be native to Rome because of Paul's mentioning that they were Christ followers before he was. In one article that I will cite in the caption, this means that they would have become leaders very early, Some scholars even hypothesize that they were disciples of Jesus from before his death and resurrection and afterwards moved to Rome. However, there's little to no evidence that supports this. But what is most certain is that because Paul refers to them as his kin, so kinsmen in this translation, that means that they were Jewish Christians. Mm. Paul also refers to them as apostles. The most basic definition of an apostle is, quote, one who is sent out as a messenger or envoy, unquote. In this case, they were they were messengers who were spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Since Paul calls them apostles, 
It is likely that they were among believers from Galilee or Judea. So their designations as apostles may also indicate that they were the ones who first brought the gospel to Rome. Like Sarah mentioned earlier, there's a little asterisk by Junia's name in Romans 16, 7 that says, or Junius. Well, I'm assuming some translations would not have Junia at all and would just have Junius. Oh, yes. So her name was changed. John Chrysostom. That guy. That guy. Yes, I'm very familiar with him. Okay, of Constantinople. (laughs) You remember the Byzantine, Sarah? That was a time. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. That was back in the good old days. Wow, yeah. No. So, John, (laughs) okay, (laughs) he was an author who is still very venerated in the Catholic Church and Eastern Orthodox churches, just to name a few. He fully believed that Junia was, in fact, a woman because prior to the 13th century, no other versions of Paul's letters read the name as Junius, meaning the S made the name masculine. As Raina Peterson writes in her book, The Lost Apostle, Searching for the Truth About Junia, several philological studies have shown that the name Junius was never in usage in antiquity, whereas the name Junia was a well-known woman's name. According to Daniel B. Wallace of the Biblical Studies Foundation, no instances of the male name Junius has ever surfaced in Greek literature, and none of it, none, no record of the name Junius exists in Greco-Roman culture at all. Ooh. However, the name Junia is found on ancient grave inscriptions throughout history and is always in its original feminine form. At this point, we can recognize that the name Junia was changed to Junius, and I've I've when studying this topic over the last few months, I've encountered the question, okay, well, how was that changed? And here's how. Here's how. Copyists. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. So in ancient times, cop, uh, copies of written text were made by hand. So a slow, painstaking process mm. that demanded great skill. So copyists specifically named in the Bible include Ezra. And copyists helped preserve the inspired scriptures when the aging originals deteriorated. So there was an increasing demand for copies of scriptures as the number of readers grew. So as the church expanded, more people wanted copies of the Bible. The work of a copyist often included like very meticulous checking and correction procedures. It is believed by many theologians. Okay, Many that only later medieval copyists of Romans 16.7 could not imagine a woman as an apostle. Mm. And so they, the copyists, wrote the name with a different accent mark, marking the, uh, making the name Junius and changing it to a masculine name. And this was around the beginning of the 13th century. So, okay. So I, you look very Context. you look very dazed. Okay, so, I am trying to comprehend. Like, was this something that went on often? Like <laughs> copyists changing things. <laughs> I'm concerned. I'm deeply concerned. There's more. I don't have a degree in linguistics. But me, here, me neither. But Confession. Here nothing, but here goes nothing. Okay. For those who have a hard time believing that something as simple as an accent mark could change the total meaning of a name and cause such damage. Let me just say, it is the same as the English equivalent of changing Michelle to Michael, or Spanish, Antonia to Antonio. Doing so changes the entire meaning, and in this case, centuries of believers not knowing that Junia was a woman with an ancient name instead of a man with a made-up name. So, how did this get so at hand? How did it? (laughs) 
I am hanging on every oh, word. Okay. So it has been speculated by many historians that the change in Junia's name was picked up by the church during the 13th century, most famously by a man named Aegidius of Rome or Giles of Rome. We'll so go with Giles. Names. We'll go with Giles. That's so much simpler. Okay, he was a medieval philosopher and scholastic theologian. Ooh, fancy. And a friar to the order of St. Augustine. Or Augustine, if you're of that persuasion. Of that persuasion. <laughs> okay. Augustine, Augustine, I've heard it both ways, man. That's me pronouncing I've Brief so, side note, I've been reading Augustine <laughs> or Augustine, and every single person who asked me about it, I pronounce it a different way, just to, like, spread the love. So around this time in history, Pope Boniface was implementing strict rules on controlling women in the church, particularly about controlling the lives of nuns. So there's hmm. a whole sordid evil story on that, that I will cue information up in the caption. I'm not going to get into that. But basically... There was such a renewed disgust of women during this point of history that the change of Junia, who was referred to as outstanding amongst the apostles, was embraced in the church because they believed that to be an apostle was to be able to teach and preach the word of God. And because of this definition, there was no way Junia could be a woman. That's interesting. The, the definition goes from one who is sent out to one who is specifically teaching and having authority and that's that's an interesting that's an interesting shift yep so it is believed that they chose the latter and due to this approval of the church more copyists adopted this translation because it became widely circulated in the following centuries so giles and pope boniface were followed by Protestant reformer Martin Luther. Ah, the man himself. <laughs> who used a masculine form of Junia in his German translation of the Bible, mm. which helped solidify the incorrect belief of Junia the woman as Junius the man. Because he was translating from the Latin, wasn't he? He was indeed. And they were using the masculine version. Correct. Oh, so it just kind of kept going and it going. It just kept going. It just kept ah. going from there, man. Yeah. yeah. So this obviously resulted in the word of God being perverted and generations of believers not knowing the truth about Junia. Mm. It's a sad story, man. But good news. Okay, good news. She's back. Yeah, she's back. (laughs) (laughs) She's here. She's here. We found her. Among us. Centuries who have passed, okay? And Junia's name has been restored to the ancient text and any theologian worth his or her salt can look at the mountains of evidence and say with certainty, of course, Junia was a woman. Hello. They say it just like that. But, okay, we we decided that all those people back in the day, they were just playing around. They were just horse Uh, Yeah, having a time. They were just being unprofessional. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) unprofessional. Yeah, not okay. But now we we know Junia is a woman, and it's good. It's chill, right? But wrong. Hmm. Because now the question is, can we really classify her as an apostle? Mm, there's the question. Okay, so now we need to now we need to break down what Paul really said. Did he really mean? Oh, she was outstanding among. Does it really? What does that mean? We have smart people who have done a lot of this work for us. Okay, thank you, so, smart people. So one of these very smart people is Professor Yi John Lin of Yale Divinity School. Did you know Yale had a divinity school? I did not. That is so badass. Yale <laughs> never ceases to surprise me. Yeah, so much better than Harvard. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> Neither of us have ever attended Yale or Harvard as None a None of disclaimer. us have ever even, like, seen up We should close. not even have opinions. We should not be allowed anywhere. About Yale or Harvard. <laughs> no, not but... At all. but anyway, Professor Lin is from Yale Divinity School. Okay. 
and has written articles concerning the different methods in which people, mainly theologians, mainly male theologians. Because, I mean, theology has mm -hmm. been a very male-dominated yeah. forum. How they have tried to, quote, push Junia out of the spotlight by claiming either she was male or that she wasn't really an apostle, unquote. So again, centuries have passed, and it's been proven that Junia is a woman. And let me just reiterate that all of this nonsense is because people believed that women could not be apostles or that apostles could not be women. Now it's come down to what did Paul really mean when he not only called Andronicus and Junia apostles, but noted them as outstanding. Mm. Okay. So Professor Lynn has said that he doubts that there would be any arguments what this phrase means if Junia was really a dude. But since it's virtually impossible for her to be a guy, some interpreters have then focused on the Greek of the phrase, quote, esteemed slash outstanding amongst the apostles and to argue that she was not really an apostle. From there, what he's saying is that, let's say, like, we have a group of friends and Sarah is most loved among the friends. It's not saying that. It's saying Sarah is most loved by the friends. Ah. Not necessarily saying that Sarah is included in that friend group. Sarah is not actually friends with any of these people. Yeah, Sarah actually doesn't have any friends. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This is quickly turning into a different but podcast. you see what I mean? Like, they're twisting it, trying to find the different whatever, trying to claim, oh yeah, this person is not among this group of people but they're loved by this group of people. It's like, Oh, this group of people you know, is just looking at them on the outside and like, we love wow, her. We don't even, so we don't even know her, but we love her. <laughs> she doesn't even go here. She doesn't <laughs> even go here. She's an imposter <laughs> for all of us among us references that we're making right now. Okay. Anyway, when scholars who are all, wouldn't you be surprised to learn male? I'm shook. Try to make this argument. They appeal to the use of this language in grammatical form elsewhere in ancient Greek. Professor Lin breaks it down saying that there are two problems with these arguments that these scholars are making. First, the ancient examples cited by other scholars do not definitively prove anything and thus cannot be used to exclude Junia from being an apostle. So saying like twisting grammar around and whatnot is not used in any other form of ancient text and has cannot hold water is what mm. saying. the second problem is that the grammar is so ambiguous while the logic is not his words ah mm -hmm. so he he uses a really good example that i that i love so the statement that michael jordan is esteemed by basketball players does not necessarily exclude or include jordan from the category of basketball player the grammar tells us nothing here. And we can only deduce that Michael Jordan is a basketball player because we already know who Michael Jordan is. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So it requires having context before you come into the phrase. Exactly. And there's so many other instances where Paul is referring to Stephen and he is referring to them as apostles and you know my brothers and whatnot almost exact same language that he's using with andronicus and junia yet that is not being taken as seriously mm. and so and also the main reason why um i think that is is because for a long time people thought that junia was a was a guy because 
first you have to think about like who who Andronicus is. It's believed that Andronicus was Junia's husband, but there's almost no evidence to that other than the fact of when Paul wrote his letter, he mentioned Andronicus before Junia. Oh, gotcha. And so that would mean like the higher esteemed person is mentioned first. So naturally the husband or the brother or the relative. Mm. So if there was more context saying that they were married, then obviously it would be like, okay, man and a woman, back in the day, that was how it was done. And I'm like, so it's Andronicus and Junia. Okay, so male and female, and they were married. But since there wasn't that distinction at all, people were able to pervert Junia and make it Junius. Because, remind me, was Andronicus male or was Andronicus female? Male. Male, okay. So that is traditionally a male name. So that goes back for as far back as Junia goes back as a female name. Gotcha. So that was that was a dude. It was a okay. guy. And so because of that, there was the argument that, you know, okay, well, it wasn't explicit that it was her husband and a woman can't be apostle, so uh, let's make her male. And then when all this mountains of evidence came down and it was a female, okay, let's pick apart what apostle really means. Even though all these other parts of scripture, Paul says half of what he says to Andronicus and Junia and they're considered apostles. You see what I mean? So there's a yeah. lot of sexism there. It's very interesting. It's yeah. a good reminder. I love this episode in part that it's a good reminder that we always carry our assumptions with us the and biases. our biases into scripture. Mm-hmm. It is impossible for us to read scripture without biases. And you do, just like reading any other type of book or you know, history, you do have to like do work on your own biases when you look at scripture and you can't just assume that scripture is going to accommodate them. Remember, folks, <laughs> check yourself. Check yourself before, before you, you wreck, wreck yourself. yourself. Yeah. Before you um, wreck the word of God and then cause, again, generations of believers to not know who an apostle was. Yes. Which is why she's called the lost apostle, which is the name of this episode. Ooh. Was- I feel like she needs her own theme song that we insert Ooh. here. Cut. I apologize. Anyway. Um, so, in addition. Oh, yeah. We're making this, like, really bad transition. In, in addition, addition. Okay. I'd like to mention Craig S. Keener of Eastern Baptist Theological Seminary. He says, why would Paul commend them, meaning Andronicus and Junia, for something less than what an unqualified apostle means in every other New Testament instance? Why praise them for being mere apostles? Unquote. You know, that's a compelling question, Greg. <laughs> Craig? Craig. Craig. Oh, with a C? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Craig. Yeah. Sorry. my boy, Craig. I'm really sorry, Craig. <laughs> Craig S. Keener. Sponsor us. <laughs> Sponsor us. No, no. Okay. So acknowledging Junia forces many Christian denominations to rewire what they can and can't say about women in the early years of the Jesus movement. In Romans 16, Paul commends at least three women on their works in the early church. So he compliments Phoebe and Priscilla and Junia, as we have proven thus far. There's a group of them. It's not just an isolated Phoebe was a deacon. Phoebe is another example of people who have taken the Greek name diakonos and have used it in different instances in scripture to mean a preacher, to mean somebody who has active authority over the church and watered it down to just mean servant. Same thing, same thing with Priscilla. I have seen this in action myself. Yeah, who they can, like in scripture, you can use the exact same words to describe a man and it will mean something of the highest authority and honor and then use it to describe a woman and it can be watered down to something as a servant. Mm. 
and but they don't mean servant in a high no regard either they mean no. yeah I mean a servant as like a woman and that's her rightful place to be in a uh, form of submission Spussy. so yeah it forces a lot of people to rethink what were women like in the early church movement so as professor lynn says quote reinstating junia as apostle could enable us to broaden our understanding of who had apostolic authority in the early church and so perhaps who founded churches, went on missionary journeys, were trusted transmitters of Jesus's word and preachers of the gospel, unquote. Mm. So women were among the elite of the followers of Jesus. Women were elevated as equal to men. Women could be apostles. And women could be and still are outstanding. Amen amen wow we love to see it we love to to see see it it. (laughs) we love to hear it it's just so interesting tell me if we want to find more about the story of junia specifically where what where can we go what can we read so i'll be queuing up in the caption a link to the book that really helped me the most it's called the lost apostle the searching for the truth about junia by Raina peterson who's Mm -hmm. an award-winning journalist and author um and a couple of really good articles that i found um about junia from multiple different sources so just to kind of kind of broaden my look at her i'll have that all available interesting i am so fascinated by this topic and by this i don't know it's just so cool to hear that women from, we're there from the beginning because yeah. sometimes I think there's this message that like, oh, now the women are coming in in Christianity and they're trying to like, they're trying to insert themselves where they never were. And it's like, you know, I think actually we were there the whole time. We were there the whole time, even before Paul back with Jesus and the yeah. people who followed him around. Absolutely. Um, and however you translate, we were there to mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we were present and we were, you know held as valuable and that's important to remember that's very important yeah one of the really good examples that stuck out with me from Raina Peterson's book The Lost Apostle was she told a story about how a little girl in Sunday school wanted to know what was the name of Noah's wife Mm. and there's no recording of Noah's wife's name and all of scripture so that means the bible and that means the torah Mm. but there was a recording of every single one of his son's names and there was a lot of them yeah and so the teacher had to do in-depth research like talk to rabbis and read really old historical like accounts to finally find out finally find out her name and that sort of is um not a metaphor but that's that just is such a good example of how girls we've had to like search for women in scripture and how it's so frustrating that junia was there and like i said at the beginning episode with one brush of a pen like one stroke of a brush whatever it was just called into question and forever tainted and she was yeah. awesome she was awesome the lost apostle the novel or the book really goes into detail about like what she probably even looked like what did she wear in those times what was her status like and so it's like frustrating and sad that like she was not even now the history of her is not very well known no 
And I think too, there's another layer of, you know, in the American church, there's so much biblical history of, you know, back from the early church and traditions and things that got merged into, you know, things that are probably talked about more. And you mentioned the Eastern Orthodox church or Mm -hmm. the The Catholic church. Church, And it's like that The Protestant church obviously split off, but we share a lot of the same roots. Yeah. Like Um, a lot of our Protestant friends, I think, really don't understand the church existed for centuries before the Reformation. Yes. And there's so It was many more traditions. it was very complex during that time, but was there was a rich. lot of there's yeah. a lot of history. And it's really, you know, especially if you're a history person, but even if you're not, it's really worth looking into because scripture has real historical roots and like okay. it can be found in history. You know, it's not just an idea and it's not just something that is happening today in America. It's something that has been going on. Um, and you can see it in history and you can learn about it. And sometimes you get really fascinating, incredible facts like Junia and like you learn, oh man, here's a story that I, that I never knew. So yeah, go do, go forth. Also, thank you so much to Sarah Beth Baca for letting us use her portrait of Junia for the cover of this episode. You can find Junia's portrait as well as other portraits of women in scripture in Sarah Beth's new book, Full Image Women of the Bible, available for pre-order at sarahbethart.com, as well as in the caption of this episode and the link in our bio. Ask questions. Mm -hmm. Read and... There was light. There was light.